This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow standard orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. I say. You will obey. It is the word of Landrew. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network, and with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Track Stars. Hey, how's it going? It's going really well. I'm better than you are, apparently. Yeah, I'm a little uh, sick, so I apologize for my voice being even worse than usual. Now I'm I'm super nasally, but also uh, scratchy. So yeah, we're we're both kind of uh, uh, sound different, but for different reasons. Mine is because I just watched yesteryear, but that's <laughs> getting a little ahead of myself. Yeah. B- before we get started, I I have a tweet here that I would like to read. Okay. Um, okay. It says, "Dear DS Nine, you are the best. Sincerely, Drew." Who said that? How dare they? I don't know. So I see that you've seen the light. Speak, speaking of weeping, mm-hmm. I watched I watched all of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And it's really, really good. It is, right? Yes. So when are we just going to uh, uh, make Standard Orbit a, a DS9 show? No, they no. don't go to Standard Orbit enough. Though Wei Yun said Standard Orbit in one of the last episodes, and I almost went and grabbed the audio to to replace Kirk saying Standard Orbit. Well, I mean, my big question is, when you were on uh, the Orb, how come you guys didn't name that episode Standard Orb It? Missed opportunities. What's the point, guys? What's the point? <laughs> Next time. Next time. All right. Next time, when you're there, too, and it's a full crossover, I'm sure that we'll squeeze that in there. Okay, okay. Sounds good. Today we'll be talking about Hal Sutherland, who uh, was the founder of Filmation, and is another C in that he directed the Star Trek cartoon. Oh, yeah. Hal Sutherland uh, recently passed away, unfortunately, back uh, in January, Um, and although... Many Star Trek people are probably not familiar with that name. He is uh, a big part of the Star Trek family. He directed 16 episodes of Star Trek the Animated Series, the entire first season, actually. Which would make him the most prolific director in the original series canon. Yeah, I guess so, because um, Mark Daniels did 15 and Joseph Pevney did 14, so... Technically, yeah, he directed more episodes of the original series than anyone else. Um, Although, I guess, since his episodes were half the length, maybe that doesn't count. Maybe not. Either way, it's very impressive. And, um, yeah, he he was the founder, the co-founder, along with Norm Prescott and Lou Scheimer, of Filmation, 
which was an animation company which did a million things all of the cartoons you you know and love from your childhood and he personally uh directed um many of the of the shows uh from that from that uh company including um the new adventures of superman the superman aquaman hour of adventure um fantastic voyage the batman superman hour aquaman uh sabrina and the groovy ghoulies um fat albert and the cosby kids the brady kids and he even did an episode of he-man and the masters of the universe wow so yeah very very impressive career he certainly got around mm-hmm yeah so so quite quite an impressive career and you know it's one of those things where um i know you haven't really seen much of the animated series right right i i just finished watching my first episode that's crazy how can you of all people someone who who obsesses over the original series and knows it like the back of your hand not want to be like huh i, I th- this is the most amazing thing there is an animated version of this show that I love with all the same voices and I all honestly, the same writers. I honestly forget that it exists most of the time because everybody's talking nowadays like, you know, ooh, a Star Trek cartoon. I'm like, that would be really, I mean, like, how would that work? No one's ever done anything like that. Oh, <laughs> that is so weird. But, um, you know, like I, I watched it. I watched it as a kid and then, and then again as an adult. and um. One of the things which, you know, every episode ends with this big title card where it says directed by Hal Sutherland. And it's just his name is just like, you know, scrawled across the screen, you know, like, I I don't know if that's his actual signature or what. But it's just it's this amazing, like huge title card, even on the episodes that he didn't direct. So um, (laughs) it's it's kind of like, you know, his his name is always, you know, sort of been ingrained and, and associated to me with that show like he literally signs his name on that show and uh it's you know we can talk about the animated series and but before we get into that i mean let me just say that i don't like the animated series it's not good (laughs) however see that's the kind of stuff that makes me forget about it (laughs) Would you rather me watch Deep Space Nine or the animated series? Okay, but now that you're we done, made that choice. Now that you're done with Deep Space Nine, you can move on to the animated series. Okay. However, the the problem with the animated series was never the direction, and I know people will say that it's low budget and that it looks hokey and that they use the same like three frames over and over again for like the entire run. And I'm not saying that any of that isn't true, but it is so perfect like the animation style is so clean and just perfect and it just sort of adds to the tone and the thing about the animated series like i want it to be so much better and and the the problem is that the really the writing which is shocking considering how much talent was involved with that show the writing is is the big problem with it and it's the direction which makes me keep on coming back for more i I am constantly amazed by the way that show looks and when that opening title sequence comes up i i i cannot stop watching it because it looks so amazing it's like two things that i love 
put together into one awesome thing. It's like Saturday morning cartoons and Star Trek. What would Star Trek look like as a Saturday morning cartoon? And Hal Sutherland, the guy who created all of these Saturday morning cartoons that we know and love doing Star Trek, it's like it couldn't get any more perfect than that. I love it. And I love Hal Sutherland for that. Uh, I wonder if Mark Cushman will uh, will continue and, and make behind the animated series like a pamphlet. A pamphlet, these are the voyages, the animated series. I know at one point, um, five-year mission, like I think they were on Colin's show and they were talking about uh, what, you know, what were they going to do afterwards? And one of the things they were talking about doing was the animated series. But (laughs) yeah, the animated series in general, you know, we haven't talked about that and this is kind of as good an excuse as any to to get into it. now, you said you've only watched Yesteryear, you know, just the one right. episode now, right? And um, I've watched the entire thing. I, I was first exposed to it at, well, I mean, I was first exposed to it probably in the Star Trek compendium, you know? Mm-hmm. They've got a whole section in there where they talk about uh, everything, um, all of the episodes from, from the series and everything like that. And uh, it's... It like just seeing the pictures and everything, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. But you know, at this point in time, I guess it was out on videotape, but it wasn't available at any of the blockbusters that that I went to or anything like that. So I just kind of had to wait for someone to start airing it on TV. And about a year after I got into Star Trek, sure enough, the Sci Fi Channel started airing it on Saturday mornings, and I, I I would watch it every Saturday morning, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever even though it wasn't all that good. Um, And then I remember going to the Laserdisc stores and seeing the big box set where you could get a a boxed Laserdisc set, which included all 22 episodes in it in one set. And this was back before they did that. It's back before DVD or anything like that. You know, at that point in time, if you wanted to get the original series on Laserdisc or, or videotape, you know, videotape, you need to buy each one individually for 15 bucks a piece. And and on, on Laserdisc, you'd get two on a disc for uh, 30 bucks. And it's like, here is 22 things. All, and just that box with that art, I'm like, I need to have this, you know, but it was like $200. I could never yeah. afford that, you know, especially as a kid. And then when uh, the all the other series were coming out on DVD... Me being, you know, this sort of like obsessive compulsive completist, I'm like, got all the original series, got all Next Generation, DS9, Voyager, there's a big gap here, the animated (laughs) series. And I'm like, they will never release this on DVD, never in a million years. So I went on to eBay and I bought the, uh, that, that set. So I finally have that, that Laserdisc box set. Um, Wow. It's amazing. It's the coolest thing ever. It really is. I mean, that's that's something I never got into Laserdiscs, but I mean, looking at like LPs versus CDs and stuff, like the the art yeah. is so big. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at my walls in my house, I've got Laserdiscs, well, Laserdiscs themselves, and then also Laserdisc covers just hanging up everywhere because <laughs> it is amazing. I mean, the art is so spectacular on those things. Laserdisc is the best format ever. It just is. Well, I mean, going back, maybe we should we should uh, introduce our listeners to 
the animated series. Like maybe they don't know that that it existed. Yeah. In the seventies, it was decided that uh that they would needed to make an animated series, and they got everybody except for Walter Coining. Yeah. To come back. Right, but he came in and wrote an episode. So it's like everybody was involved. DC Fontana, I mean, the writers and the producers. And it's just, it's kind of surreal to hear, you know, DeForest Kelly's voice coming out of a cartoon character. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I mean, when you think about it, it's like William Shatner is doing a cartoon. Well, I guess he does that now. But uh, Leonard Nimoy is doing a cartoon. And then Gene Roddenberry is doing it himself. And DC Fontana, I think, was basically the showrunner on it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, David Gerald is involved. Mark Daniels came in and wrote an episode. It's like they got the whole gang back together. And uh, the results, I mean, there's a Harry Mudd episode. There's there's a, a Tribbles episode, which David Gerald himself wrote, which you can find on... Uh, the season two Blu-ray, if you're if you want just a little taste, although you can also get them on Netflix, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing that they got these things together and the early reviews coming in and their intention, I think, behind the scenes was like this is season four and five, you know, you know the the the, the Star Trek continues guys and the Star Trek Phase Two guys, they're not the first ones to be like, we want season four and five. Gene <laughs> Roddenberry was the first one, and he did it with this animated series, which I always kind of, and, and I've always thought of this, it's like, this these are the last two years of the five-year mission, you know? There's two more seasons, there you go, five years, five-year mission. A bunch of, bunch of weird stuff happened. Yeah. They, they bring in that orange guy with yeah. the third arm. Because they've they've got a cartoon, they can do whatever they want. So they replace Chekhov with a three armed alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a weird cat lady. Sorry, Emrys. <laughs> yeah, there's um, the the winged hawk guy. Yeah, I mean, and they did some stuff which obviously you could never do on on the original series in terms of the budget. I mean, those characters for one thing. There's an episode where uh i i don't remember the premise but i n- know that it's some sort of water planet and in order to go under them for whatever reason uh kirk and spock i think uh grow gills so that they can you know go underwater and breathe underwater okay um, there's an episode one of my favorite episodes actually is uh they get captured by these giant slugs like massive slugs and they're put into like a a prison and they're trying to figure out what's going on and what they they realize is that they're in a uh in a zoo and these giant slugs are beings which are way more intelligent than they are and they're like communicating with each other telepathically and stuff like that and they see uh you know humans as like animals and there's this amazing moment where, like, Kirk and Spock are looking at this giant slug who's, like, moving in a weird way or something like that. And Kirk's like, uh, Spock, what are they doing? And Spock says, Captain, I think they're laughing at us. <laughs> it's the best. It really is. 
but the animation it's it's so it's so good in in i mean people will look at it and they'll be like what that's not good you know tangled is good it's like this is is so perfect and appropriate and 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 everything for for this time period and and i really do love how clean and and just simple it is it's great do do you know if it had problems like finding an audience in that it's kind of adult but kind of not uh, you know, I don't really know for sure. I mean, it did. It had a sixteen-episode first season, and it did get renewed for season two. But season two is only six episodes long, so I, I mean, I, I guess it wasn't a huge success, but it was successful enough to get a a second shot. So I don't know, really. But um, it it doesn't feel like a, an adult show really you know it does feel like they're kind of playing to kids some of the themes that they're dealing with and everything like that are more adult than your average saturday morning cartoon it definitely has some thought behind it i mean just the giant slug episode it's like that is a very star trek thing and while it seems cheesy to us and everything like that i can see like a little seven-year-old kid watching this and it really giving them something to think about because you know, you, you think of slugs as animals and then you start thinking about the way that you treat animals or whatever and now humans are being treated in that way. And, I mean, that that's a lot of uh, food for thought for, for a little kid. But um, is it is it a an adult show? I don't think so. Except for yesteryear, which yeah. we can get into now. Now, you, you watched yesteryear... This morning, yes. right? I've, I've been told from many sources for many years that this, I mean, whether or not it's canon is is debated and always will be, just like any kind of cartoon or book is canon is always debated. Okay, and b- before we, we get on, on into that debate, let me just state for the record that I totally think the animated series is canon. I have no reason to think that it's not canon. It was up on a screen. Was it animated? Sure was uh the zindi arc animated you know i mean are the are the enterprise effects not canon because <laughs> i'm pretty sure they were animated so where do you draw that line and i don't i i i say you draw the line at it being on the screen and it's on the screen and there's things which are referenced in uh in that series in next generation in enterprise and i'm pretty sure in the new jj movies and definitely and in remastered and in remastered so i mean how much more canon do you want it to be and why wouldn't it be canon it's all the same people doing it i mean people debate like the books like oh well jerry taylor wrote this book so that's canon right and i'd say yeah sure that's canon and these things were all produced by the same writers as the anime as the original series. So yes, the animated series is canon. But for those people who think it's not canon, which I guess is the official um, stance of CBS right now, even with all that, people are like, no, 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 it's not canon, except for yesteryear. Yesteryear's canon. <laughs> so it's an exception. Yeah. But in Yesteryear, um, Yesteryear has everything going for it. It's written by DC Fontana. It's a sequel to City on the Edge of Forever. Uh, Spock is in the Guardian of Forever, and he comes back with Kirk 
and uh, from after visiting Orion, and no one remembers him. So they figure out, I mean, like, and for a show, a Saturday morning cartoon, they figure out that he'd erased his own existence by not being able to travel back in time and save a young version of himself. And so he goes back through the Guardian to save himself, and he meets his parents again. His dad is voiced by Mark Leonard, isn't it? Yep, yep, I think it is. His mom is is uh, Majel. Yeah. Every pretty much every character that wasn't one of the main characters was voiced. If it was a female character, it was voiced by Majel Barrett. If it was a male character, it was voiced by voiced by uh, James Doohan. James Doohan is the voice of Robert April, by the way. Oh yeah, and Robert April's in the show. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so he travels back in time, and he, interestingly enough, witnesses him young version of himself getting bullied. Uh, by you know, his his uh, dad brought shame to Vulcan culture by marrying a human female, and Spock pushes a kid down. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you you look at yesteryear. There's a ton of stuff that they stole from yesteryear and put in Star Trek Nine. I mean, if anything, that would make it more canon. Yeah, yeah, because technically. I don't see how Spock getting bullied would have anything to do with the Narada coming back out of the wormhole. So right, right, definitely. I wish we had uh, we had seen his slot in in the flashbacks in in two thousand nine. That's true, but you do see a slot in um, Enterprise, right? I I don't know. I've not gotten there yet, but I think so. I think so. Yeah, and in the Vulcan arc, the. Kirshara, the Forge, the Awakening, whatever those things are called. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you see some slot. It's animated, so I guess it's still not canon, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, young Spock is supposed to do a training of a Vulcan test where they, they go out and survive in the wilds, and Spock, eager to prove himself, runs out. And his pet Salat follows him, and Spock follows both of them. Old Spock, oh, yeah, not old Spock, old Spock, but the Spock we know and love. The Spock, prime Spock, adult follows Spock. baby Spock, adult yeah. Spock, right? But not necessarily old Spock, because <laughs> to me that's a different character. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. Spock, young Spock, is attacked by a, a you know monster, and his slot saves him. And then Spock saves them both. And then the slot is poisoned, and Spock has to run back and get a healer. And he comes back, and it's too late, and he has to put his animal down. And I cried. Yeah, yeah. The dog dies in the Saturday morning cartoon. By the way, spoilers. It, Spock has to put him down, like. I'll be honest. I was I was sitting there watching it on my laptop this morning, and I'm getting kind of sniffly. And then Jessica's just like, "Don't you have to get ready for your podcast?" And I was like, "I am getting ready for my <laughs> podcast." Yeah, Spock has to put his puppy down. Picked up Hilo and gave him a big hug. It's exactly what I did, and he yeah. yelped, and it was sad because <laughs> Jessica's like, "Why are you picking him up like that?" It's like because Spock and the baby and the. <laughs> I don't yeah. like it when animals have to die. But like no. it's it's not just like oh the dog had to die. It's like 
Spock is making the decision whether or not he's going to follow Vulcan or human philosophies. Yes. And and putting down his animal is the Vulcan thing to do. It's logical and it, and it makes sense and he wouldn't have to show emotion the opposite of what I did. Yeah. And so he decides to be Vulcan from from that point on and it's like a big deciding moment in his life. Right. Which is weird because it didn't happen. Spock said that his Salat didn't die. But then yeah. when Spock comes back forward in time, he is replacing a Spock whose Salat did die and who had decided to be purely Vulcan. So I'm wondering wondering how that works. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought of that. He does say that he did have a visitor. Right. Yes, he did. He did save. He did save himself, but the Salat didn't die. Huh. Which is what is the catalyst of the of that big change. So I'm wondering. I'm wondering what Spock's actual catalyst was to to affect that change, or if he made that decision, and did we replace that one completely when we when he traveled back forward in time. So see all those people complaining about how the JJ universe isn't the prime universe and how they changed it. Well, when you were watching those movies, like the original series movies, that wasn't the prime universe either. <laughs> hmm. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, sometimes if we try to figure out time travel in Star Trek, it kind of all fa falls apart, but you know, what can you do? It is it is interesting that, that when they get back to the ship, McCoy starts teasing him about like, oh, it's time for your physical and you gotta, you know, gotta recalibrate the machine for Vulcan. And he's like, in the alternate universe where Spock died as a kid and Andorian was the first officer. And so he says, you know, in another time, you may have been setting it for an Andorian. And McCoy's like, is that some kind of joke? Vulcans don't tell jokes. And Spock says, times change, Doctor. Times change. Mm -hmm. Which, to me, maybe that Spock never told a joke. I mean, because Spock joked a little bit in the original series. That could be. That could be. But then McCoy would still know that, right? Because the timeline had changed. So, But, but if, it was, if it was purely Vulcan Spock that this McCoy knew... I think it's a new McCoy. Kirk and Spock are the same as they've always been since the original series, but in the movies, it's a new McCoy. Okay. So it's not the real McCoy? Exactly. Okay. So so on the whole, did you like Yesteryear? I thought it was incredible. And in, and I think it goes to show, I mean, after hearing about all the, the other episodes, the maybe not so good ones, that it does come down to not necessarily the writer, because writers can have bad days or maybe aren't motivated to to turn in a good story. But when it doesn't matter the medium, when someone tells a good story, it's a good story. It doesn't matter if it's if it's animated and there's really it's only running at like three frames a second, and Sarek keeps raising his eyebrow because they bothered to animate it that one time and they're going to show it off. It's it's really good and i'm i'm going to count it as canon even if it does mean that mccoy in the movies isn't real yeah well i'm sure you could find other instances of that throughout the original series too but um 
Yeah, I, I agree that it is an awesome episode. I think it's one of my favorites. I think it's better than most episodes of the original series. And while I do uh, think that a lot of that has to do with DC Fontana's script, I also think that the style of the animation and just what what was set up on the whole with with that uh, production uh, has a lot to do with with Hal Sutherland. And you know, he was working with what he had, and given those constraints, he did an excellent job. I will always love that guy. Basically solely because of this animated series yeah i i'm kind of looking forward to to seeing what else what other goodness can be gleaned from the original series i mean no the animated series i've gleaned goodness from the original series i need to glean more from the animated series yeah um it's... And I think I think it will be because we just finished Deep Space Nine. And I think it will be. I don't think my wife will watch it with me, but I'll sneak in episodes here and there with the headphones. And they're only twenty five minutes long, so you can just you know knock out a couple here and there, no problem. Uh, another interesting fact that I, I just read about here was that uh, NBC executives in the network was trying to to force changes even on the animated series. Yeah. Like, so the battle continued. Mark Cushman, where are you? Here, yeah. here they, they didn't want uh, Spock to have put his animal down. But uh, Gene said, trust Dorothy, she'll handle it. Yep. And she did. And, and she did, as she always did. Yep. It's amazing. If you haven't seen Yesteryear, you know, if, if, if there's probably a lot of people who have seen the animated series and just been like, uh, whatever. And I'm assuming most people have seen Yesteryear. But if you haven't seen Yesteryear, it is as much original series as anything in the original series. And you've got to check it out because it is amazing. Well, it's been fun talking about Hal Sutherland and the animated series today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. Spaceseat Commentary. And in this proposal, um, it opens up with Kirk and Spock playing chess. Um, And then Spock actually cheats in order to win and gets caught and is a little bit embarrassed. Earl Grey. Civilians on TNG. I'd say that, uh, you know, the Enterprise is lucky to have Mott. He is the heir to the great bully in Applesauce Fortune. The Orb. Raising children on the station. It has sort of a big city, small town feel. In terms of population and size, it's that small town. But in terms of cultural diversity and the challenges that you face... Uh, as a parent and the things that your children are exposed to, it has more of that big city feel to it. The Ready Room. Remember me. The computer tells Beverly that there's a flaw in the ship's design as the warp bubble is shrinking. And I'm thinking, damn you Starfleet engineers, why do you build a ship that's larger than the universe itself? To the journey! Season 3 Marathon. Not that I want to get too detailed here, but I'm wondering if that's all it would take if he mated with a human or if he would just have to use human form. But I just love right. it when when John Delancey's like, I was good, wasn't I? And then she's yeah. like, mm, yeah. <laughs> Warp 5. Prequel technology. You almost feel like photon torpedoes should have happened 50 years after Enterprise and they should have gone through three different kinds that you'd never heard of. Yeah. And I, it's, that seems more right. real to me. Commentary. Trek stars. 
Futures Point. He's from the streets, but he has he has left that life behind, and like he has become like a sellout in a sense. He's, yeah. he's about the winning at all costs and not the true essence of Futures Point. <laughs> Literary Treks. Editing Star Trek with Margaret Clark. I try to make sure that the books are true to their series. That if you're right. reading a Key West book, it feels like, okay, Bob Justman would have bought this story. He couldn't afford it, the effect. But Bob Justman would have gone into Gene went, you really should read this, this is good. Melodic Treks. The Klingon theme. Goldsmith's Klingon theme established an aggressive tribal atmosphere for the warlike characters. Goldsmith made it clear in an interview that he wrote the whole Klingon music with bad guys in mind. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit Trek.fm slash PD for podcast directly to get all the links. And I want to reconfirm to you that this is daily. We have stuff coming out every day. So let me tell you where you can contact us. Uh, if you'd like to share your thoughts on the canosity, canonosity, canonicity, the something of, of the animated series, uh, you can go to track.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to me and Mike by email. And you can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using a webcam's microphone. Or you can talk to us and other listeners on our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash trek.fm, and on Twitter under username trek.fm. You can find me personally on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E. You can also find me under that username everywhere. I, I just joined Instagram for some reason, and uh, and I bought a PlayStation Three, so I'm also on the PlayStation Network. Like, awesome. That my Nintendo ID, like it's it's pretty much everything. Cool. I've worked hard for that. <laughs> where can people find you, Mike? Uh, you can find me on Trek FM, where I do commentary Trek Stars with uh, my co-host Max. Right now, we're in the middle of our series on Robert Hewitt Wolf, looking at his career as an unsung hero. And you can also find me and Max on commentarytrackstars.com, where we do commentary Trek Stars off-topic with our friend Brandon. And you can find me on Twitter at comtrackstars or email me at comtrackstars at gmail.com. Before we go, we'd also like you to please support our sponsor, who makes it possible for us to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows to you each week. Our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible is something for everyone. There are numerous classic TOS books on Audible, as well as some of the all-time favorites like Prime Directive and Federation. Mike. What's today's choice? Well, today I found a book on uh, animation. It's called Animation Development from Pitch to Production. It's written by David B. Levy. And uh, the, the description says, Whether a novice curious about the cartoon production process or a visual arts student who has not yet experienced that big break or a seasoned professional looking for valuable insight, animation development is the go-to guide for creating the perfect pitch. 
So there you go. You want to learn more about the animation biz, see what Hal Sutherland did uh, for a living, uh, check out this book. It, and you can get it for free on That's right. audible.com. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well, or a self-help book to get your cartoons made. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Also, if you would personally like to support Standard Orbit, the network, and our programming, visit trek.fm slash donate. We have eight alien-themed cartoon badges. Yep. It's animated. They're animated. Well, they're not animated. They're not they're... animated, but they're cartoons. Uh, you can get them as a thank you for your contribution. You can mix and match badges and art prints. There are different levels of donation to choose from, and your contributions help us cover the cost of production, storage, and bandwidth needed to bring Standard Orbit and the other Trek FM shows to you every week. Well, Mike, another one down. Yep. You going to go off and uh, watch some animated series now? I think so. I think so. Check out More Trouble, More Tribbles. No, More Tribbles, More Trouble. <laughs> I apparently one. have that on Blu-ray, as, yeah. uh, as you just pointed out. Yeah. And there's one with Harry Mudd. I forget I'll have one. to check that one out. Harry's my... My man. Mm -hmm. The only reoccurring villain in the original series, oddly enough. Yep, yep. It's and good. even in the animated series. Mm -hmm. Good times. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Landrew.